Do you ever think that Lent is just too slow and Holy Week is just too fast? I've celebrated 42 Lents and 42 Easter's as a believer. And I always think this. Think about it, 40 days of Lent, seven days of Holy Week. Lent, waiting, fasting, repenting, building up new disciplines, releasing old. It's a little bit tedious. I don't know about you, but at week five, I'm always like, are we done yet? And then again, the seven quick days to try to take all the escapades of the disciples and Jesus in in one moment. For the disciples, it was even longer, three years and seven days. It's not surprising that we feel sort of a crazy, confusing state at the end of it all. Just a couple weeks ago, here we were, Palm Sunday, waving fronds, throwing cloaks and coats, waiting for a celebration to erupt. And then, just by Monday, Thursday, we're whispering and wondering and hearing words of betrayal, the kiss, the trials, and then, of course, the long, methodical walk to the cross that we try to draw out, don't we, in our liturgical traditions, to say, we're just going to spend a little more time on those last seven words. But honestly, it's pretty fast, too. Because all those seven words, they add up to one thing. Jesus' death on the cross. Those thorns on the cross. We make it through Saturday. Some of you do it more fancy than others. I will tell you, the Kutsonas and all their weird eclecticness, what we do on Weird Saturday, that's our name for it. We watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Some of you more liturgically elevated people do it a little differently, but we all get through it somehow. You think I'm joking. I'm really not. But then we come Sunday. We come dawn in our vest clothes, our hats maybe. I remember when we were in New York and there was the big Easter parade and man, it was beautiful. It was just this sense of like, yes, we won. But it doesn't take away the fact that it's still a fast process even to the empty tomb. And here we are a week later still. Did our lives dramatically change because of our annual storytelling? Did the Easter service finally make sense to us? Did you finally get it? What happened on Friday? And then what happened on Sunday? I know some of you are sitting here and you're just in that rejoicing space where it does make all sense. It's all aligned, it's perfectly clear, and you just want to say one more time, Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Yeah, see, you guys got this. Some of us here that week after Easter, because we all know not everyone comes back the week after, some of us still have some questions lingering. Maybe even if this is your 42nd week after Easter. Ben told me that the people who came today were the real faithful ones. (laughs) 
Not quite as many people here, maybe, as were stuffed to the brim with the horns and the fanfare last week. But not a bad show. You guys did well. I'm happy for you. Welcome back. Because some of you in this pe these pews are rejoicers. You're the ones who we'll call the rejoicers. Some of us, if I can rename you and me, might be verifiers. We're checking it out still. We're trying to just, oh, if I could quite get it, if I could just touch a little more. Verifiers are the people who come back not just to affirm our beliefs, but to affirm that there's still some questions that we want to just test and verify a little longer. One of my favorite definitions of being human is that humans are sense makers. We're constantly trying to figure out meaning from chaos, sense from senselessness, order from confusion. We do this all day long. It seems like we've had a lot of practice lately. Some of us will harken back to days like, well, we just heard a lot about the lunar landing, that's one, but uh, I was thinking about 9-11. I was actually in New York at the time, and obviously more recently, when the campfire burned for 17 days, and here we are three and a half years later, with still so many who are not in stable housing, who have not recovered from the fire, a region that is stressed with the ongoing onslaught of economic tension through COVID, and I don't need to mention the political strife, the racial tension. These are all moments. These are all long, extended opportunities for sense-making. We should be good at it by now. We also have the individual ones, right? It's the diagnosis, the sudden turn of health for somebody, the loss of a significant friend or partner, loss of your husband, your wife, the change in leadership, all the things that just give us tumult. And here we are, Easter people, also trying to figure out what just happened and what is its significance today. So I know the Lutherans and the Episcopalians where I've been worshiping for the last seven years, you guys love to read your passages and you always have three and that's just a brilliant thing and I love it more than anything. As a preacher, I don't know how you do three and you weave them all together, so woo, we're not doing that. So we're just gonna focus on our main character, Mr. Thomas. He's a good guy. I love Thomas. I think we're gonna look at Thomas today and we're gonna say, Thomas is my man. Thomas is my guy. He's been given a lousy name, Thomas the Doubter. We don't think doubting is cool. That's not certainty. That's not faith. That's not belief. Thomas the Doubter, often in the top of the Bible verses for this passage, it says Thomas the Doubter. At least in the New Revised Standard Version, they call him the twin. But we all know he's Thomas the Doubter, doubting Thomas. What I love about this passage, though, is we learn from Jesus that doubting's not all that bad. Because it was Jesus who went straight to Thomas to help him verify what he had only heard from the other disciples. So I'd like to rename Thomas, too. If you guys are rejoicers and verifiers, let's call Thomas something different. Let's call him Human Thomas, just like the rest of us, Thomas. Thank you for asking my question for me, Thomas. 
because he wasn't the only one who was trying to make sense of what happened. Remember the disciples, the male disciples, who were visited by um, some friends who were female after the women had gone to the tomb and they had found it empty, where they encountered the angel and he said, why do you seek the living among the dead? And remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee that the Son of Man would be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day they rose. And they did remember his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all the eleven um, and to all the rest what they had seen. Mary, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women told the apostles. But these words seemed to them, the disciples, an idle tale. And they did not believe them. So, in case you were wondering if Thomas was the only doubter, disciples were also doubters. And there were 11 of them, and I'm sure some more swarmed into that room up there. Thomas the verifier, or Thomas the human, Thomas the one who asks all the right questions, isn't that different from the rest of the witnesses. They were trying to make sense of resurrection after death. It just didn't sync with their definition of dying. <laughs> People don't raise from the dead. And it didn't sync with what they understood Jesus was supposed to do. Jesus, the victor who was going to come and somehow manage to get all this right in the world. As humans, we only have so much understanding of how this works. Even at this vantage point, 2,000 years after that first Easter, we still, and we know, we say our creeds, we speak belief, we know that the resurrection changed everything. But if we were there this week, and a day or two after these rumors were spreading that he had resurrected, we probably would have, like the disciples, known that something big had happened, but we still wouldn't be able to say, well, that's what this means. We would be struggling to make sense of it all. So we come back this and next Sunday, and most of the Sundays in the future, just so we can make sense of it all together. Thomas, my friends, is doing us a favor. He's saying all the things, asking all the questions, and sticking his neck out into a sea of believers to say, what just happened? Can you show me? Can I touch you? Can I test and see that the Lord is good and real and alive? I knew another Thomas that struggled to make sense of all of this well into his 80s. Thomas Kutsona is my father-in-law. He's a wonderful mix of Greek and engineer. Greek by heritage, engineer by training, lover of people, very sensitive, kind, always ready for a, a party, but oh so logical and systematic as a civil engineer. As he aged and his faculties dulled and death became closer, he really fell into depression because he didn't know how to make sense of death. He never had had a personal faith, so he had nothing to draw from. And he just couldn't fathom how this thing that was coming was going to work out and how he would actually go through it. We'd sit for hours, and he would just scratch his head and ask all the questions, and we'd grapple together. I will tell you, eventually, he kind of just gave up in the best of ways. 
not because there was certainty, but because the alternatives to not seeing death through the eyes of the resurrection were just not sufficient. So I give thanks for Thomas Kutsona and Thomas, the early disciple, and we join them on this side of the resurrection, asking, is this resurrection thing real? We know our beliefs say that death has lost its sting, Jesus died to sacrifice for our sins. Because death has lost its sting, we have new life and a path to life everlasting. We see that God loves us so much that he sacrificed his only son. These beliefs change everything. And we are here today to proclaim that. That's what we do when we gather. But can I push us a little further? What does the resurrection change today? Where does it hit you that really matters? Certainly we think of the places where despair and cynicism have taken over and hope can step in. But what about your bank account? What about your schedule? Where you spend your time? Where you invest your energy? How about how you interact with difficult people? people that don't say nice things about you. And how about how you review your days and give sober judgment to yourself? What difference does the resurrection make? Neuroscientists tell us that what we believe must transform into action for it to have impact. Do our beliefs transform us into action, that someone would know that we are people of hope, people of life, people of resurrection, to change our world, to change the conversation. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that the cross is a stumbling block to both Jews and Gentiles. So let us not be quick to say we get this or that the world gets this because it doesn't make sense for them. It is actually foolishness to them. But we, following Thomas, our guide today, can take courage to step towards Jesus. Ask Jesus to show up, show his power, show his love. That is what the hands and the side and the feet of Jesus tell us. They remind us of an intimate relationship so that all we do and all we have is from a Savior who loves us, not considering equality with him to be a thing to be grasped, but as a guide to new life. So my final question is, are you living? That's what the resurrection promises. New life, full life, abundant life. Our friend, Verifier Thomas, so happy he asked my question, Thomas, trust and verify Thomas, guides us. And Jesus, as he steps into the room, for probably a whole host of reasons, says, peace be with you, shalom, wholeness, brokenness is gone, alignment has returned, and says, a few days in advance of Pentecost, I'm going to breathe on you. And I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. 
So when we don't understand, and when we do doubt, which we will, we have the great wise sense maker, the Holy Spirit to guide us in community to the path of life that Jesus has for us. My final invitation to you is make room for the others who are in the process of verifying, testing, questioning, doubting, certifying. We need one another to stand with us in those times. And who knows, as we stand with another who is asking those hard questions, saying, I just need to touch a little deeper, maybe your own faith will grow deeper still. Our psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and take refuge in him and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you as the great holy sense maker in all truth to the glory of Jesus. Alleluia, Christ is risen.